you're nine years old, my very first hustle was just tying a lawnmower to the back of my bicycle and just going around my neighbors and cutting grass. And, you know, it's like I, I would start to cut grass and, and then, oh, by the way, let me wash your car. And it went pretty well. But then I figured out like, Welcome to Ask the Pros, where I do my very best to unpack actionable, valuable insights and with the goal of helping you live your dream life. I sit down with top entrepreneurs, professionals, making a difference around the globe so they can tell their stories. In doing so, I aim to inspire and motivate other people that may be struggling or looking for a new spark around their personal life or career path. Welcome to Ask the Pros Business, you know, where we speak to professionals like you, entrepreneurs, in a way, talking about your journey, your story, telling us how you started, you know, difficulties, success stories as well. And on this episode, you know, I've got a guy here full of energy, positive vibes, coach calm, how to do 56 podcasts. Guess what, guys, you know, you're going to love every bit of his show, man, every bit of his interview. So Cameron, you know, like we always do on this show, you know, Starting from the beginning is, you know, telling your journey, your story, you know, how you started. Who is Cameron really, you know? How was the beginning for you? Yes, bro. I'm so fortunate not just to be here on this show, but to have an authentic relationship. And I, I think, you know, the show is dope and, and um, you know, I hope, I hope that we're able to inspire some folks. So from the beginning, from a business perspective, uh, I think like most people in our culture, it began with the hustle, right? And so I grew up you know, on the south side of Houston, as a point of reference, like Beyonce and like Travis Scott and a few other guys are kind of like in the same, not the same community, but the same like part of town, right? That's kind of where they're from. And so, you know, just that entrepreneurial thing was always in me. And so my parents kind of moved out into the suburbs and did the Fresh Prince thing. And I just remember like, I'm not going to say I grew up poor, right? Like I had everything I needed, but I knew that there wasn't always that extra, right? And so you know, I'm, I, you know, I like Rick Ross. I, I like, I like the extra, you know what I'm saying? I like the extra of my life. And so at nine years old, my very first hustle was just tying a lawnmower to the back of my bicycle and just going around my neighbors and cutting grass. And, you know, it's like I, I would start to cut grass and, and then, oh, by the way, let me wash your car. And it went pretty well. But then I figured out like there's levels to, to the hustle. So then I would begin to cut people's grass for free. Right. And so instead of like knocking, like, can I cut your grass? And maybe I was charging like 10 bucks. Or I, don't, I don't remember. But, you know, then I began to say, OK, well, I'll cut you. I, I, so I just cut their grass and be like, if you want to pay me, cool. If not, cool. But your grass is cut. And before you know it, they're like, oh, OK, cool. Yeah, here's 10 bucks. Thanks. And then you kind of do the same thing with cars and just, you know, not even from a, a manipulative standpoint, but it's like, how do I capitalize on this opportunity? And, you know, just a football practice at five go work at the, at the grocery store from six to 10. And I just, I, I just always had to have it. And, you know, even, you know, right out of college, I remember like when the PlayStation three first came out and I had a few bucks in my pocket. And I remember that like uh target, the department store or the, you know, the, the general store target, you could buy, I think two is a limit of two. And I had, I had enough to buy six. So I bought two, I brought my mom, I brought my dad and we all like sit in line for two days. And I flipped PlayStations, like, <laughs> right? I, I had like a, I had shoe, uh, shoe polish on my car and I would have like PlayStation for sale and just drive around the city, just drive around, drive around, just flipping PlayStations. And so, you know, it's like some of those, I, I forgot the story until, until you asked me that question. I forgot about that, bro. But, it, you know, I just, it's not even that I always wanted more. It was just like, 
I knew that if I had to get it, I had to get it out the mud myself. Cool, Cameron. Man. What a remarkable story, man. But as a young, as a young, as a young guy, you know, starting like that, you know, starting hustling and trying to just, you know, make ends meet as as a young guy. But you know, apart from you know the hustling, hustling bit of you, you know, and all that, you know, what, what were the other things that you were motivated by? You know, the kind of things you love doing, you know, apart from just hustling. Yeah. So I mean, I, I played obviously sports for a big part of my life, and and, and you know, sports really. And I, I don't, as I tell those stories, I don't want to think I'm like, you know, just like hustle, like, you know, like, like slaying. I mean, I never sold drugs or anything like that, but just the opportunity to create. And I think that, you know, when you marry sports and athletics to the hustle and then you add music, I'm a humongous music fan, man. I, I've got, before we, before it went to like, you know, exclusively digital, I've got like books and books of CDs. And I, I grew up listening to so much music. We were talking about Afrobeat earlier and, you know, yeah. R&B and jazz and, and hip hop. And, you know, I think that, I think the hustle was my path. I feel like athletics gave me the discipline and I feel like music gave me the creativity. And, it, you know, so it's almost like, you know, you can listen to uh, a 90s hip hop song and they've got like a, like, like a remix jazz. They've got like remix rock and roll or, they're, or like Run DMC, Walk This Way is actually a rock and roll song that they just like rapped over. And so it's like, you know, the creativity to create something that makes a person feel a way. Um, music definitely gave me that creativity for sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, you know, m- music music opens a lot of doors, you know. It, it depends on what you listen to as well. You know, I know you as, as a rap guy, you know, rap has got a lot of inspiration behind it because a lot, well, one thing that people don't know about a lot of these rap artists is that, you know, they, they read as well, you know, they study. Someone like Tupac, Tupac, Tupac reads like, you know, the kind of things he talks about are things that, you know, this guy knows what he's talking about. And that goes for Jay-Z and Biggie and all them, all, all them guys as well, you know, because they, they read a lot. Because most of the things they say, when, when you listen to them, you, you know that this guy is making real good speech here, you understand? So by the time you, you, you get in that flow, you know, that, that, that also opens all that creativity as well, you know. Talking about creativity now, because you mentioned something about creativity now, you know, how do you stay creative? You know, I, I know that sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's a gift, you know, but being creative, you know, for you, you know, as a, as, as a speaker, you know, as a writer as well, you know, what keeps that creativity in you? Bro, so, so first off, to your point about those guys being learners and just educated, um, you are so right. I mean, not only that, I think that their lyrics, when you, when you read a, a dope, when you read the lyrics to a dope song, you're reading poetry. It's just poetry over music, right? And so, so to answer your question, you know, it's staying in a space of like the flow state, right? And so I'm not sure how much you like, you're, you're familiar with that, but the flow state truly is like being triggered by a number of different compressing, you know, factors. And one of them is, you know, being physically fit and, you know, kind of getting your body to move. But then really it's, a, it's about, for me, it's about staying like dipped in inspiration. Like inspiration has so much to do with it. And so whether it's, you know, reading amazing books like we talked about or, or listening to inspired music or just like, like the Crown and Glory magazine is just literally like me being inspired by different things that I appreciate. You know, the other thing that I think is, is really unique about creativity and finding a creative space is, the, is allowing yourself the liberation to sit and think about how two things are connected, right? And so I'm, I'm, I've always been so engaged with cross training, right? So the athlete like Bo Jackson. So you can be, you know, 
uh, an all-star baseball player and an all-star football player. Well, what are the core skills that physically translate like Deion Sanders, right? And so it's the same thing. And so it's like I can read a book or be inspired by a thought piece or article and think like how do I extract the piece about like fintech or like learning about wealth accumulation and translate that into a message for underserved kids? Or, you know, how can I, uh, I have an after school program where I, I literally take hip hop lyrics and I teach the kids literacy through like Nas lyrics and J. Cole and Kendrick. And it's like, you know, not only because I know kids love hip hop and it's like, I can get them to listen, but it's like, but what if I told you that you don't have to sell dope to get out? You can get really cold at what you, if you say you love music and you say you love creativity, then let me show you what these guys did. And not only did they get the words to rhyme, these words mean something. So let's put a dictionary, right? So, so especially with Jay-Z, like, like let's put a dictionary in a thesaurus so you can understand that not only did those words rhyme, but here's a meaning of that word. Or here's an alternate meaning of this word. Or here's what a double entendre is. Or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like here's a historical point of reference of him, you know, making reference to Meyer Lansky. You know, who's Meyer Lansky? Well, he's, he was a crime boss in the 70s. And, you know what I'm saying? So it's like he's not just saying words that happen to rhyme. He's laying a track down. He, he's laying a track record of amazing things that also happen to rhyme. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Karma man. You're you're right, man, hundred percent. But let's go back a bit. You know how how you started your whole entrepreneurial journey. The point you talked to yourself and said, you know, I love my journey so far. I love what I'm doing. You know, and I'm gonna go through this route. You know, being an entrepreneur. You know, trying to create value out there, put things out there for free. You know, trying to just put on the good things out there. You know, trying to and again, you're building a community in doing that as well. You know, when when was that point that you know you said to yourself, you know, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm headed. Yeah, so it it was three it was it were three moments in history for me, and they they spanned over maybe like seven or eight years. But I look back now, and the first one was when I began to work in education. And I, my first coaching job, um, I was asked to kind of step in and help teach Spanish because our Spanish teacher was like stuck in customs and couldn't like make it to the U.S. And I ended up having to teach Spanish the entire year, bro. Now, wow. excuse me, I speak a little Spanish. I'm from Te- I speak a little bit of Spanish, but it's like I'm not going to teach your kid. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not like Spanish fluent, <laughs> right? And so at the end of the year, the principal was like, "Oh, that was great, Coach. Do you want to do it again?" I'm like, "Do it again? Like why would like what a disservice this is to these kids? These kids are going to be trash." You know what I'm saying? And so that was my first one. And my takeaway from that was um, in a corporate setting, like the corporation will always do what's in the corporation's best interest. They won't do what's in the employee's best interest. They won't do what's in the stakeholder's best interest and students. Like that corporation needed me to play out of position and give these kids a bad product, right? So that was my first one. My second one was when I worked in the NFL in, in the front office. And I was an intern. I was just out of my internship. And I would look at all of my coworkers. And you're working, bro, you're working 70, 80 hours. You're working like a dog. I mean, and not just like at a desk, like in the sun, like hot, grueless work, you know? And you're getting paid minimum wage, but you, you know, you're happy because you're working, you know, you're thinking you're going to, you know, make it. And I remember I had a coworker who would get to work like five minutes before our boss, and he would leave like right when our boss left. And I'm like, bro, yeah, you're here for 12 hours, but you're not even doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like for me, like once my work is done, it's a lot of work. I'm not saying that. 
It was like, once my work is done, you don't get any more of my time. Like my time is my time. And so that was my second one where it's like, if I work in this big machine, I've got to exchange my time. Yes, for some money, but I know that I'm worth, I mean, minimum wage at that time was like $5. I'm worth, I'm worth more than $5 an hour. And so that was my second one. My third one was when I left out of coaching. And so I was a head coach, athletic director um, at, at a school here, you know, in the Houston area and had a lot of success. I, I, I won more games at this school than any other coach ever before. Right. And the school leader calls me in and she's like, hey, coach, you know, we're enjoying you're doing a good job. You're doing a really good job. But our school is going to restructure the athletic director position and we're going to make it a counselor. So you can stay and coach, but you also have to like do lunch duty and like teach P.E. And I'm not talking down. You know what I'm saying? That's cool. But I'm like, nah, like that's not what you, you didn't bring me in here to like blow a whistle at lunch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, nah. And so, so that was my third one where it was like, you know, if you, if you are clear about the life you want to live, you have to design it yourself. Because if you think that a, a corporation or a big machine is going to allow you to live, not only the life you want to live, but the career you want to have, it's not going to happen, bro. So, so after that, it was like, you know what? And I've been, you know, doing other things. I've been speaking already, but, and I was like, you know what? I'm going all in on myself. I could have easily like gotten another, I could have gotten an office coordinator job like that next day. I could have gotten another head coaching job probably the next season. But it was like, nah, this, you know, this is not for me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to trade in to trade up. And that trade in was rough because, I mean, I had a you know very nice salary and all that kind of stuff. And I, I mean, I, I went through some lean years, bro. I mean, some struggle years straight up. But I knew that I could be like a 50% effective entrepreneur and make three times as much as I made, you know, in another job than sweating and, you know, cuts are coming. So you're worried about making a cut and, you know, like I got to play office politics and reply all to this. And I ain't, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> Absolutely, camera man. I know, I know all about that, you know, because take for instance for me right now, you know, I'm, I, I still go a nine to five job, you know, and I and I do and I do my podcast on the side, you know, which I you can say is a side hustle, you know. I I know I know about you know all that office politics, trying to just please people that that you know they don't like you, you know, but but obviously you dare because you know you've got. If you got kids to take care of, you got families to take care of, you know, you need you need that money for now to, you know, keep your head afloat, you know. But in saying all in saying all this, you know, the, the nine to five, you know, mentality, ideology and things, you know, someone will also argue and say, you know, Cameron, you know, I, I know it's good to be an entrepreneur, you know, we won't do your own stuff, but you know, what about for people that don't have that vibe? What should they do? You know, like, you know, stuck in the nine to five, you know. Because the the most important thing, the underlying thing you said right now is, is time. You know, you're trading your time. You know, and and it's as well as well your you, your freedom is gone. Once your time is gone, your freedom is gone. It's like being locked in the jail. You know, because I feel that's about way sometimes when I, when I when I get out of the office and I'm just in that in, in confined space. You know, you you know that you know these guys have got you nine to five. You 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 you're, you're going nowhere. They they've got you. You know, but someone has has a different idea and said, you know, Cameron, you know, I want to I want to walk. You know, I, I want to you know be able to fend for my family as well. You know, what what would you say to that? You know, someone that don't even think about being an entrepreneur because we know that it's not everybody that can that, that can be an entrepreneur. Some people are not just come for that. You know, some people don't want that work. They just want to just go somewhere 
end their end their daily wage and you just go home. You know, what what would you say to that? So what I say is, you know, I think that entrepreneurship is sexy right now. I think it's trendy. I think it's like the fun thing to do, especially in like the fintech space. And you know, I've got a startup, right? So the first thing is, it's not for everybody, and that's okay. Like, it doesn't have to be for you. Like, there's no like non-entrepreneur shaming, or you're a nine-to-fiver, you don't know. It's like, bro, it doesn't work like that, right? So entrepreneurship really first, like at the ground root level, is about giving and serving, right? So I have to, I pay my employees before I pay myself. So if there's a, you know, $30,000 pie and I've got $28,000 to pay out, I'm sitting with $2,000. Like that's how it works. And, you know, if you have the stomach for that, right? Like everybody doesn't have the stomach for that and that's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Now the other side to that is I also challenge nine to fivers to at least start a hustle because what you're going to find is if you've never, if you've only worked nine to five, you really don't know how valuable you are. Right. And so let's just take a hustle of baking, baking pies. Right. So if you bake pies and you got your cost of goods sold, you've got your formula and you've, you figured out that for me to bake this pie, you, you know, come up with your cost. It costs you $4 and you sell this pie for 20, which is a fair price for a pie. It's like, you know, you could, you could come back and say like, yes, you know, I made $16 or you could say, you know, no, it, I had to come up with a recipe and I had to go to the grocery store and I had to tinker with this recipe and I messed up five pies before I even got this one right. So no, my price is $20, right? It gives you a justification for, you know, the, the exchange of currency for what you give to the universe. I think there's so many, so you can, you can give to the universe what you choose to give. So nine to fivers choose to give their time and their talent. Right. So I'm going to give you an hour of my time. I'm going to give you my coding skills if you're an engineer. Right. In exchange, you're going to give me 40 bucks an hour, let's just say. Right. Well, if that's what your skill set is, no problem. But then if you were to start your own business, again, using this pie example, well, then you figure out, well, wait a minute. So, so if I can sell five pies, I spend 20 bucks, but I make 80 bucks. I'm all to the good, right? And it begins to make you think different, right? So like if I can bake five pies in an hour, then is my value really 80 bucks an hour? Why am I selling for 40, right? And that's not to say that you're going to have a, a tempo of five pies an hour for eight, right? So I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you understand, I promise you every nine to fiver who has never started a hustle is grossly underpaid by whoever's paying them, whoever it is, right? Because you are worth so much more to, to yourself than to that organization. It's almost like going to a casino. The reason that casinos are alive and well is because 99% of the people who go leave more money than what they, <laughs> what they, than what they walk out with, right? Yeah, like absolutely. Right. The company you work for, if you're making 40 bucks an hour, the company you work for has to be making three to four to five times more than that off of your labor, right? So if you're getting paid 40 bucks an hour, you're probably worth 150 to 200 bucks an hour on the, on the, on the raw market. Now, again, you've got to figure out. So if you say my hourly rate is 200 bucks, you've got to go hustle that money. You've got to go hustle that work. 
So that's a trade-off, right? So so my skill set is 200 bucks an hour, but I'll take a massive pay cut because you're going to give me 40 hours worth of work. That's our exchange. But if you never figure out, like, no, I'm actually worth 200 bucks an hour, so all I really need to do is secure 10 hours worth of work, and I've made more than working as nine to five, right? And so it's like, if you don't begin to think different, you're not going to get any different results. Yeah, absolutely, Cameron. Yeah, I'm I'm totally down with that. You know, I, I think the, the 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 COVID, you know, the this pandemic has also you know set the stage for a lot of people to just start a side hustle. Because now we we all we all see that you know nine to five, you know, all the way is not it's not really the thing anymore. Because now, like some jobs now, you're able to work from home anyway. You know, we and no, no nobody thought about this. No one thought about you know trying to work from home. You know, and we but with this whole pandemic, you know, people are trying to see that you know. There's so much more for me. There's so much more for me to do. You know, people are learning, learning new skills, you know, doing, doing new things, baking, you know, manufacturing. People are doing all sorts of things, you know. And to go to, to go to your point as well, you know, if you have if you if you don't have a side hustle, you know, you don't know you don't know your what, you know, you 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 you, you probably haven't started. Like for me, starting this podcast, it, it was it was a drag for me because I made so much mistake, you know, trying to get it right, you know, trying to get things, put things together. But now, you know, I'm at a stage where, okay. I know how this thing works now, you know, I can, I can work my stuff now. I can work the audios, I can work the, the, the mic, you know, the, all, all the levels, everything. I, I, can, I can do all that now, you know, but if I just talk to the nine to five, you know, I, I, would, I would never have that experience, would I? That's exactly right. And I think that the other side to it is you learn from your mistakes. And so I think that, you know, one of the problems with our culture today is, you know, what we see is the finished version, right? And so, Again, as a hip hop guy and as a creator, when I wrote my first book, I went into it saying, I'm going to write the very best book. I'm not going to just throw up crap and not, I'm going to give my A plus effort because I remember watching a Jay-Z interview and he talked about. So, so he said that most, most consumers and most fans don't find the artist until their third body of work, right? So Jay-Z volume two, was his big, like, can I get a, remember that album? Like that album is where like he blew up. Reasonable Doubt, volume one, in Streets of Watching. Like these, this is his body of work that, that nobody really knew about until you found him here, right? And so his thought process was, but if I create dope bodies of work here, by the time you find me here, you get to this work, you're going to be rocking with me. I, I've created such a library of talent and, and art and work that by the time you get to me, you'll be able to go in my back catalog and see it's dope. Well, that's where as a creative, as a business owner, like you talked about, you're making your mistakes. And, you know, I, and again, I've made so I, I started in e-commerce at the end of last year. I'm not going to tell you how many thousands of dollars that <laughs> like I made every single mistake you can make. I mean, from creating a business Facebook page, I checked the wrong box. I checked that I was associated with a political party. I had to, I got an affidavit from Facebook where I said I had to like, had to put out like, I couldn't put fake news. I mean, I'm, I'm like, what? I mean, I made every single mistake, bro. <laughs> but all those mistakes led me to, you know, streamline the process of starting my e-commerce store. And my, my, my course, when the first quarter of your day, I was able to step over all those mistakes because I made them already. Right. And so some of, again, to your point, the nine to five is, okay, I'll pay you 40 bucks an hour, but I'll also cover your mistakes. So if you make a mistake, you don't get fired. 
and you don't have to eat the cost of that mistake where you and I as entrepreneurs, if you know, you make a technical mistake and it costs you 5,000 bucks, you're out of 5,000 bucks. Right. And so, so sometimes you have to learn those lessons a hard way, but the lessons you don't forget. Yeah. But, but the, but the thing about, you know, lessons, you know, and, you know, trying to grow as well, you know, because for, for instance, I can just give you a, a simple analogy here, you know, for, for, a, for a child, you know, trying to, trying to walk for the first time, that child is going to fall anyway. You know, the child is probably going to fall a couple of times, you know, before the child gets his or her balance. You know, and the child start walking, and you say, "Oh my God, oh the baby's walking now." But but that baby fell down a couple of times. You know, you you might not be watching, but the baby fell down anyway. But it's I think it's the same analogy as well. Trying to just you know grow on your strengths and make mistakes, and you know, and you have to love the journey and the process as well. You know, I think I think that that's a part where where some people forget about. You know, if if you don't love your journey, you don't love the process. You know, you you can't you can't embrace the success as well. You understand? Well, you saying all this, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, what was your first product? You know, what, what, what was the first thing you, 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 you dove into and said, you know, what, this is, this is, this is, this is where I'm starting from as an entrepreneur. The very, my very first start as an entrepreneur, like your analogy with the baby, right? So to your point, like babies don't know what fail is. They just know I didn't get it, do it again, do it again. Right. But like babies, the first time you start, you're going to fail. So the, my very, <laughs> I've had a couple, but my very first one, um, I was 21 years old or 20 years old, maybe I was still in college. And this is like early 2000s, like very early 2000s. And me and some of my teammates were, were you know, part, we had an apartment together and I'm sitting around the table like, bro, we got to get this. So as a point of reference, you know, as a college athlete, you are broke. Like you broke, bro. You are so broke. And so you just always like scheme, like, how can I make money? How can I make money? And so I figured out, I said, okay, so Houston did not have an NFL team yet, right? So the Oilers had left, they were in, in Tennessee, and the Houston Texans hadn't come in. So there was no like, you know, these are the pro, right, like guys. And so I'm like, bro, we can be those pro guys. Let's start doing sports training camps and just travel around different parks and charge, you know, whatever, I don't know, I thought you were charging 10, 20 bucks to work out, whatever, right? And so we sit around the table, come up with the whole plan, get flyers printed out, the whole thing. I get, I have to, I'll go on a travel trip that weekend. I come back and they took my idea and ran without me. And it uh -huh. broke my heart, bro. And, 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 and it was one of those like, you know, people talk about having your paperwork together. Like the, we didn't, I mean, obviously there's no money for lawyers, right? But it was like a handshake. But it's like, you know, you have to be so trustworthy with your concepts and intellectual property, one. But two, and this is my mistake, before you put an idea out there, you need to be two or three steps ahead of, hey, guys, I got an idea, right? And so that's one of the big things that entrepreneurs now, so, so the nine to fiver will say, well, I'll never start because somebody's going to take my idea. Well, you know, there's 50 million sports camps now, there's 50 million you know, apple pies now. So your, so your apple pie is not unique. So that's an excuse. You have to get out there and start. And to your point with the baby, you've got to fall for the first time. The first time you're going to fall. So you might as well start small <laughs> in your kitchen, baking a pie and fall before you quit your job and screw this and then make a big mistake. You're going to make your, your, your big mistake. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Man. And I think, I, I think it's, it's, it's also good as well for us to like what you said about, you know, baking a pie in your kitchen and, you know, 
you know, then you grow from there. I think, I think starting small is a thing that we all have to embrace because some people don't want to start small because maybe they, they're looking at their friends and family. They're going to laugh at them. You know, I, public, I, I, I end this, you know, in the corporate world. Now I'm going to start this, you know, people are going to laugh at me, you know, how, how, how am I going to face, you know, the criticism, you know, I think we should embrace that thought of starting small, starting small, you know, leads to bigger things. Yeah. So the idea of starting small, you know, so it's almost like um, when we were kids and you said, I don't know about you, but we used to jump off the roof. Right. And so it's like before I jump off the roof and that's intimidating, let me jump on the, off the back of my mom's car. And so it's like, yes, maybe it's not as scary. I don't get that thrill. But mm-hmm. if I fall and hurt myself, I've only fallen four feet. Right. I'm not going to fall 15 feet and end up in the hospital. And so the whole idea is, you know, again, you have to strike. You have to swing your bat. You're never going to hit a home run if you never swing your bat. And what you may find out is, you know, not that entrepreneurship isn't for you, but maybe cooking isn't for you. Maybe as you begin to work, you become really good at measuring and how to, you know, run efficiency and maybe starting a tax service or a tax hustle or helping people prepare or, or mitigate their risk, right? And so, you know, you, you aren't going to know what you're good at. And I think the second thing to the point that you bring up that is so good is in our culture, sometimes we mock until it's figured out. And then we're like, oh, he's a man. Well, you know, yeah, you started uh, baking pies. Baking pies didn't work for you. So then you say, okay, well, let me try like barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce didn't work, but you at least began to get your feet wet. So before you know it, you may end up with a car wash. And so it's like, how'd you go from apple pies to car wash? Well, it's the same reason that, you know, Amazon went from selling books to selling everything, right? Like you don't (laughs) know where your path is going to take you, but you've got to start your path. Absolutely, cameraman. Absolutely. 100. Because I'm totally, you know, onto that as well, you know, because if I didn't start this podcast yet, I don't know what I'll be doing now, but I I started this podcast, you know, and it's opened lots of doors for me now, you know, doors that, that, that I didn't even see. It's giving me opportunity to speak to guys like you as well, you know, like people that I've, I've not even dreamt of even meeting one day in my life. You know, I speak to those guys right now. You know, in the beginning, you know, like, like, you, like you rightly said, you know, in our community, there's always this thing of, oh, you, you're going to start a podcast, you know, how do you make money with that? You know, are you going to, how are you going to, you know, work that out, you know? Why don't you just stick to your nine to five and just, you know, just earn your money and just be happy and just, and just stay cool. You know, but I thought to myself, I said, you know, I'm just going to go with myself, you know, go with my instincts and just, and just start this anyway. But I've started this now, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to see, uh, I'm starting to see, you know, opportunities, you know, collaborations, you know, like, like we spoke, spoke about the, the, the other, other time, you know, if I've not been in this game, you know, I, I will meet you, meet you. You know, I will, we won't even speak about the kind of things we talk about now, you know. So I think we should embrace embrace the start from the beginning, you know, embrace that start and just, you know, glide along it. Yeah. You know, I think what you're saying is so true and it kind of gets into like entrepreneur's luck. It's kind of where, you know, where you start to go with that conversation. And there's a, a venture capitalist here in the U.S. His name is Naval. And he talks about like these four types of luck. So the first type of luck is, you know, you're walking down the street and like a bag of money falls in your lap. Like you can't control it. You just, it happens. The universe just happens, right? The second type of luck is where most entrepreneurs, and honestly, I stayed in this space for a very long time. The second type of luck is if I kick up so much dust, something's going to happen. So 
I'm speaking on stages. I'm doing sports construction. I'm do. I'm in the community. I'm doing this podcast. And if I keep kicking up enough stuff, something's gonna happen. Well, you know that's a good place to start. The challenge is that's tiring. You you can't keep. You know what I'm saying? You can't keep doing all these. You're baking pies. You do a barbecue sauce. You run out of energy. The third type of luck is you get so good that you begin to get opportunities handed to you. Right. So. I've spoken on stages to the point to where I don't have to like do it for free. People are calling to book me to go travel to speak on stages, right? So it's like developing that kind of luck. The fourth kind of luck is a luck that as entrepreneurs, we have to create, we have to get to. And that's the type of luck that if you're in the space long enough, that you begin to see the patterns of life and you figure out how to not necessarily create your own luck, but you know where to be. Right. So an example of that is um, in 2015, I was out of coaching. I was starting my full time entrepreneurial path. And I'll be honest, bro, I was I was broke. I'm not even I'm not one of those like rags to riches. I was broke. <laughs> and so um, but I, I'm a hard worker. You know what I'm saying? So I've got a couple small hustles going. I'm driving Uber. I'm driving Lyft. I'm doing anything I can, you know what I'm saying, to provide. I mean, that's 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 what my responsibility is. So one day I'm sitting and kind of like, you know, I'm in my car, I'm in my truck, and I'm waiting for like a, a Uber to pop up so I can go, you know, give somebody a ride. And I'm looking at all these people dr- like walking in and out of Starbucks. Now, I'm not a coffee guy. I drink tea, you know, every now and again, but you know, I don't I don't really drink coffee. So I don't I don't really know like that kind of like the, I need caffeine, you know what I'm saying? Like thing, right? So I'm thinking to myself, this is 2015. I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I go to like office buildings, where there's like a bunch of commercial, you know, tall buildings, and if I just go knock door to door to door, if, if one, if half the people here drink coffee and there's 30 people in the office, then 15 people could potentially want a cup of coffee. If half of those 15 are running late and they didn't get a chance to get their coffee, then they're probably slumping around the office, right? So that's like potentially seven people that I could find an opportunity for. So I began knocking on doors for office buildings and I would say, you know, hey, I'm an Uber driver. I, I drive Lyft. Um, you know, do you guys need, does anybody need a coffee run? I'll go to Starbucks. I'll charge you $3 to deliver you a Starbucks. And I would go around and collect people's orders. I put them in my phone. I text them. And then I would go to Starbucks and buy all these different orders and then take them back to the, to the office. And then I had my square card reader and I would just charge everybody. So if your drink was five bucks, right? I have your receipt. I would charge you eight. So here's your five bucks for your receipt. Here's my $3 delivery fee. And I was going around three bucks, three bucks, three bucks, three bucks, three bucks. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, what if I created business cards and I had people text me their orders? So then I began to create like a text list, not, not realizing it, just hustling. Then I began to create like a text list. And so I would say, Hey, I'm in the Heights today. Uh, I'm, you know, this is the, this is where I'm at. Text me your order. If you get a text to me by this time, I'll get you, I'll confirm your order and I'll go to Starbucks. So a little bit more efficient, right? So like still making mistakes, but a little bit more efficient. So that began to grow. This is, this is before Uber Eats. This is before Grubhub, Postmates, all that stuff, right? And so I'm not saying like I ain't been to this. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is like 
there's opportunities if you stay true to who you are and if you're always thinking, bro. Like if you are, if you're willing to leave your brain on and thinking is tiring. It, it, so, sometimes you lose like sit and map and write, you know, work things out and write all day. But if you leave your brain on and if you stay in that flow state, the opportunities are there. And so that began, that hustle began to work for me so well that I got a cease and desist from Starbucks. Like Starbucks was like, you can't do this. Um, and the thought, and it makes sense. Their thought process was, you can't deliver our hot drinks to the quality that we would want our customers to have it. And you can't deliver our cold drinks to, so like the cold drinks would begin to warm up and like the foam would melt. And then the hot drinks, I had to order them extra hot. So by the time I got back to the office, you know, they would, you know, still be warm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, dang, okay. Like, like, but I did it. Like I, I made some money doing that. You know what I'm saying? And so now it's the, the winter of 2015 and I've got to provide for my family. I, I got, I got a baby girl at home and I've got to figure out Christmas. Right. So driving around, I'm in my truck, I'm doing, I'm doing Uber and I pull up on like a really nice part of town in, into a grocery store. And I look and there's like, Audis and Lamborghinis and Lexuses and I mean like really nice vehicles in this grocery store parking lot and the store manager is starting to put the Christmas trees up and so I say I say to myself I say to myself like like you, you, you gotta there's something there's there's something here right so I'm a big man I'm strong I've got a truck I look around so I go to the manager I say look you know this is a, obviously a very nice you know grocery store um but look at your parking lot. Like your 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 clientele drives like like Lexuses and and you know like Mercedes. Like they're not going to put a Christmas tree on top of of a Porsche, right? So why don't we work together? I tell you what we do. If once your customer buys their tree, I work out a deal with the customer, and for fifty bucks, I'll load their tree up from you. I'll take it to their house. I'll put it in their house, set it up, and at the end of the Christmas season, I'll go haul it off to the recycle farm, and they'll pay me 50 bucks. You don't have to pay me at all. So there's no cost to you, no risk to you. I've got insurance, I'm buying all that kind of stuff. All you have to do is promote my service to them. They'll contact me directly. And so what happened was, I created this form, bro. And so they buy the Christmas tree, they go to the floor department, fill out the form, the floor department would text me, and be like, you got five pickups today. Come pick them up. Then I would contact the customer, schedule a time to drop it off, pick up the tree, drop it, set it up, drop it off, gone. Bro, that's how I provided for my family for Christmas 2015. Wow, and I grew bro. that from one store to two stores in 2016 to four stores 2017. And just I just began to grow. And it's a niche. I mean, I, I'm not saying like I drive all over Houston. I mean, it's kind of a small area. But it's like it's it's like being in the pocket, bro. Just being willing to say, like, this is my skill set. I'm humble enough again, like I, you know, like putting on like old sweats and like sneezing because you got like the pollen from the Christmas tree. Like you gotta swallow your ego a little bit. You can't be like, I've been doing this too long and I'm I'm above the hustle. Like you never above the hustle. If there's an opportunity, you gotta take advantage. Oh, bro, man. I love that, man. That's dope, man. You know, thinking about ideas, you know, trying to implement them as well, you know, which is, which is very hard, you know, because a lot of 
a lot of people will say they have, they have ideas, you know, but do you, do you actually implement them, you know? So what, what you've done in those scenarios that you've just, you know, narrated now, you know, uh, they, are, they are dope, man, on fire, bro. That's, that's good, man. I love that, man. Well, you know, I haven't sure. done all this now, you know. What, what, was, what was the next thing for you? What, what was the next thing that you did that, you know, you started seeing the light, you know, like your thought process, your strategies, you know, trying to make things work for you. And I spoke about this before the interview, you know, trying to put the process in place where, where you know that, you know, things you're not that good at, you know, you delegate, you know, and it's, it's kind of like an, uh, it's kind of like a manufacturing, you know, factory, like everything just, you know, automates in, in, the, in the right process, you know, when was that time you started seeing things like that? Well, so it took me a while, bro. It took me a very long time because there's a transition between hustling and business, right? So hustling is coffee, Christmas trees, you know, hustling, right? Business is, yes, you may deliver coffee, but there's a process, right? So I'm not spending a half a day hoping somebody calls me. I'm sending, I'm, I'm proactive in sending text messages. I'm on social media, right? So it's like you, you're hustling until there's a process behind what you do. And it took me, I'll be honest, years because when you're in the hustle state, it's easy to just go, 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 go. And it's like, I'm hustling, I'm busy. Busy and productive are two different things, right? So to answer your question, it took me until, so well, let me take a step back. So in 2017, I had experience selling sports construction. So I, um, in the past, I would sell like basketball courts, tennis courts, putting green, stuff like that, right? To, to residential, it's like people's backyards. So in 2017, um, during the Lenten season, right? So during like getting prepared for Easter is always a holy season. And it's one that I take very serious. Yep. And so, you know, during 2017, it was like, man, I'm hustling. Like I'm working, I'm working so hard, but you know, I, my bills are being paid, but I'm finally able to look down the line and I can't physically continue to work this hard. I've got to figure out, like, again, like I said, that process. So I had an idea. I had already started my turkey drive, and I'm big into the community, and we can kind of talk about my community work. But I always, you know, enjoy giving and serving. That's just one of the, the talents that God gave me. I really enjoy that. And so I'm, ha- I'm, I'm walking in my front yard, and I'm like, God, like, what do you, what do you want me to do? Like, like, where can I provide for my family? and give to my community. I know that I'm supposed to be doing both. And the idea came, start your own sports construction company. So you have an experience, you know how to sell it, you know how to build it, you've got the contractors, you've got the the suppliers, right? Put those two together and you can do both. And so when I started my sports construction company and the way I started it was, you know, in residential at first, we, we moved on to commercial. But in residential, I would just go into somebody's backyard, you know, so I'm, I'm in a sales pitch, and I'd say like, you know, hey, this this basketball court is, you know, $25,000. But I'll tell you what, I'll sell it to you for twenty two if you go write that nonprofit a $3,000 check. Then I'll go partner with that nonprofit to do my turkey drive or my scholarship or whatever community work I'm doing, right? And so it was like, you can marry the two of them. Like, again, that's where that creative thing, right? So it's it's not about business says you have to do business this way and this way. It's like, no, you do business in a way that's authentic to you and answers the calling of what you're supposed to be doing. 
And so that not only freed up the money that I was, you know, giving to my turkey, I mean, I still give to my turkey drive. But what I'm saying is in 2015, 2016, when I started my turkey drive, if I only had $500 or $1,000 extra, that's the only, that's all that I could give. But when I started Texas Athletics, I had, you know, $15,000 or how much ever, you know, by the time all those projects were, were done by the end of the year and those extra dollars were given to those nonprofits, I could actually create deep, deeper impact than just doing it by myself, which goes back to our community, right? Like so many times in our community, it's like, I'm doing this and I'm the only one and it's about me. And it's like, no, you can't do meaningful legacy work without building relationships. That's why I'm so excited for us to link up. Like we can create a super authentic relationship that goes twice as hard, twice as far because we're going to, we're going to go twice as hard for each other. So after this podcast, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, that was dope. Well, check this one out, send this out. And then you go meet a colleague and it's like, bro, have you seen this crown of glory magazine? It's super dope. I'm not paying you for that. I mean, it's a free magazine, right? But it's like, you're supporting me just by being one of my guys. I'm supporting you. And before you know it, we've got more eyes on both of our pieces of work than if I was by myself trying to promote my magazine or anything else that, that I've got going in business. Yeah, bro, man, that's dope, man. It's, it's good to have that love for the community. And, and um, you know, there's a saying that whenever you give, you receive as well, you know, it's, it's good to give as well, you know, very, very good to give. You know. And there's so much, there's so much that comes with giving, you know, but people don't really understand, you know, the, the whole, the whole thing behind giving and trying to give stuff out for free, you know, and there's this issue of, you know, some entrepreneurs or business guys, they, they don't like the idea of giving free stuff, you know, trying to, you know, put contents out there for free. They, they always, they always want to monetize stuff as well, you know, but for you, you know, that, that know, that know the thing behind giving, you know, how important is giving? you know, when it comes to entrepreneurship or business as a whole? When it comes to giving, and for me, it's a spiritual thing, right? I mean, I enjoy the feeling of giving. There's nothing like it. I mean, it is, it's, it's the highest high that you can ever experience, right? And so that's just like in the community work that I do. When it comes to, to business, you know, again, we talk about music and, you know, I'm a big music guy, right? So you think about like any you probably found your favorite artists for free. So before you bought into, like going back to the 90s, right? So if you were like a Ja Rule or DMX or Rough Rock, no matter who you were, like who you rocked with, you didn't got just like walk into the store and say, give me that cash money CD. You probably heard it on the radio first. Right. And so like the, the part of business where it's like, this is mine. And the only way that for you to get it is to pay me, bro. I don't know you. <laughs> right. Right. And so it's like the last thing I want is to buy something that is trash. So before I as a as a customer, I think that's the first thing is, you know, one of the biggest keys in life in, in business and in relationships and in, in everything is if you can't take your hat off and put the other person's hat on, you're not, you're not really in business yet, right? And so like for me, for example, you know, if, if I'm in the space of coaching and being a resource and speaking, for example, if I say the only way I'm going to speak is if I get paid to speak, I wouldn't be on this podcast. There's a number of different places where I'm published. I wouldn't be published, right? But the same way that like in the hip hop culture, you get somebody's mixtape and it's like, oh, the mixtape is free. Now, again, it may not be your, your premium content that you're paying for, but here's some dope stuff. I wrote a book that has 15 chapters, but I got two chapters that didn't make the book. 
here they are for free, right? That's the equivalent to a mixtape in, in the hip hop culture, right? So the way that I can ultimately attract people to purchase my book is to say like, hey, I've got really dope stuff to say. The stuff that was, this is dope, but didn't make the cut. If you think that the free stuff is dope, wait till you buy my book, right? That's what a mixtape is. And so it's like, if I can wrap my head around, number one, serving my client, then my thought process changes from how do I create 15 chapters that I can sell to how do I create the most work? How can I create the most value to my client, to my clients, to my audience? And then from there, I may structure, okay, I've written 40 chapters. So I know that my, my book is 15. I may convert you know, five of them into white papers. But long story short, I've got 20 chapters here that they're good. They just didn't quite make the premium, premium, premium cut. So how can I get these? These are now 20 assets, right? And it begins to, you begin to think different. These are 20 assets. So I've got a theory on how to eradicate homelessness that didn't make my book. Well, I'm going to do a podcast tour around that. or I'm going to write a white paper on that. Or, you know, I'm a guest, I'm a guest writer for Forbes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write an article about this. Or I'm 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 a I have a special skill or knowledge about something. I'm gonna go and give this thought out for free. Right? So then when the end consumer gets that free content, it's like, oh dang, I didn't think about it that way. That guy's got a pretty interesting thought. Let me go Google this guy and see what else he's got. Oh, he's got a book. Well, I don't know if I'm about a book. But let me let me watch this podcast. And you watch the podcast, and it's like, oh, that's interesting. Cool. This guy's pretty cool. I like this guy. Let me go buy the book. Like, that's how we find our favorite music artists. It's just like, and then collaborations, right? So like Rough Riders Cash Money collaboration. They put, they, they put a, a mixtape out and it's like DMX and Birdman. It's right, right. So just, just crossing over. That's what we're doing with this podcast. Just exposing different people to, to different audiences. And maybe it's for you. Maybe it's not. And, and I think the other piece of it too, Cass, is there are so many times that I, I struggle with this early in my career as a speaker. There are so many times where you want to be everything for everybody, right? So like, let me be the guy who talks about A, B, C, and D. And, you know, like I talk about all these different things and I've got, I've got knowledge in them, but then it's like, you're so vanilla that it's like, yeah, that was cool. It's, it's almost like when you listen to like a bubblegum song on a radio. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But then you say, but then you, you get to like, I don't know, like, um, uh, J. Cole. Then he gets to J. Cole and it's like, dang, like that was cool, but I felt something. Like, like that stirred me, that stirred me up. Like J. Cole could have kept doing like, you know, like whatever kind of music, but it's like, no, let me find my pocket and be so authentic in my pocket that I can create at such a high level that I'm the guy when you want conscious rap. So if you want trap rap, I'm not your guy. But if you want to hear conscious rap, I got something for you. And it's that confidence to say like, this is my bag. And and then just owning your bag. Yeah, man. Come on, man. That's, that's cool, man. That's dope. Yeah, and you have to give value as well, man, because giving value means that people are going to rock with you as well. You know, back to the point you spoke about trying to be like a master in your own field. Like if you look at artists like Chris Brown, you know, Chris Brown, he doesn't rap, you know, you know, he's an R&B singer, you know, and if you want an R&B singer, you go to Chris Brown. If you want a rap artist, you go to a rap artist. So if you want to mix a lot of things together, you know, that would be, that would be so hard for you to do. It's like serving two masters at the same time, which, which I think it's, it's not, it's not doable really. You understand, you know, and trying to switch it up a bit now, you know, to the, to the area of, you know, be, being a black man and 
as an entrepreneur, you know, in America, you know, I've been diverse as well, you know, in that environment, you know, entrepreneurial environment in, in America where you are, you know, being black, you know, how, how is it looked upon? Because we tend to forget the fact that, you know, we as, we as minority, you know, we might not have same opportunities like the other guys, which is sad, you know, but, but haven't been in this environment. What is your take on this? Have you ever come across people that, that they frowned upon you as in, you know, they, they didn't want to let you have your way certain things, you know, in, in, in getting certain things done, you know, did you ever come across those situations? Well, the first thing I'll say is this, you know, going back to your Chris Brown thing, you are so, you're brilliant, you're genius right now, right? So like, I'm going to do, so for me, I couldn't have this beard and work in corporate America, right? So like when I walk downtown, people think I either play sports or I deal drugs or I'm a rapper. And it's like, I don't do no, right? No, that ain't me. I'm just, right? So it's like entrepreneurship allows you to be who you are. And so if you want to have a tattoo or whatever, right? So it's like, there became a point where it's like, we talked about this off air, right? Like, I want to be authentically who I am. So if I want to have braids or whatever, right? So like, just, I can be who I am. As far as opportunities, bro, we have so far to go. So I share with you my sports construction company and, you know, kind of what we did in the residential space. Well, ap- after a year or two, I got into the commercial space, right? So building fields for schools and parks and recs and government projects. And so you begin to look at these government projects and, um, you know, it, it's a trap. We have so far to go. So, you know, a government project would typically have what they call an MWBE, right? So like a minority, a woman in business certification. So let's just say they're building a school and the school budget is it's $100 million to build the school, let's just say. Well, the contract will have a, cert- a stipulation that says we have to give 17% of this $100 million project to a minority or two minorities. So you're looking back like, okay, you know, I've got a chance to get 17, you know, a portion of, you're not getting 17 million, but a portion of this 17 million, I've got a chance that. So I'm opting out of the 83 because I know I'm not going to get that, right? I know I'm not getting that. I've got a chance to get to the 17. But then you look at the table and it's like, oh, it's 50 of us in the room. <laughs> so 50 of us, 50 minorities are now competing for 17% of a project. And so what happens is if you even get awarded, you've got to cut your prices so low because the prime contractor is not going to go above 17. Nobody does above the minimum required. So they're not not going to give, they're not going to award any more than 17 million. So then you're like, well, I got to chop up 17 million by 50 people. So So even on some of those projects, you're barely, I'm not going to say you're barely making money. You're making so much less as a business than the other 83%. So the 83 can charge. So, so if you're charging, let's just say you're a plumber. If your rate for the project is 20,000 bucks, you may have to charge, you know, 19, 5, 20, 21. You're barely making a profit where if you're on the 83 side, it's like, oh, 26, 27,000. And if you don't like it, then screw it because there's another school coming. Right. And so it, it, what it does is it puts you into such a tight box that it's almost counterintuitive to even get into it. Now, there's a school district here in Houston. I'm not, not going to say the name of it because um, the Internet is the Internet. <laughs> so people can people can look and find out for themselves what, what yeah. the school district is. Right. So 
I go into this meeting. It, it's it's a very nice school district, and the meeting is for exclusively for football fields, bro. That's what I build. I'm like bet. Like so, it's not even like a school where it's like there's lights and plumbing and framing, and you know you're trying to find your little piece of this project. The entire project is all football fields, seventeen football fields, and I'm like, bro. I've got to get at least one of these fields, right? So it's like, because what I do is so niche, it's not like there's 30 guys at the table. There's only like three or four guys who even do what I do in the whole city, right? Like it's it's a very small niche. Now this school district did not have a minority um, inclusion percentage. So what this school district said was, we're not going to give you any consideration because you're a minority. Now the minority inclusion isn't like, let me play my black card. The reason that government agencies put the minority inclusion in is they understand that typically we're underserved, underfunded, we don't get the same opportunities. So as a government contract, let me at least give an opportunity to the smaller guy, right? That's, that's what that is. It's not like a handout, but it's like, let me help this guy, you know, try to get going. So this school district said no minority inclusion, right? So you still have a shot because you're qualified to do it, but you, you don't get like a preferred shot to win any work. Dang, okay, all right. I'm still gonna put my best opportunity, my, my best foot forward. Fill out the paperwork, go through all the specs, the walkthroughs, everything. Then they say it's winner take all. So mm-hmm. one, one company is gonna get all 17 fields. I'm like, wait a minute. So there's only three of us at the table, <laughs> right? So it's not like, We'll divide it, not even evenly. So even if you said one guy gets 10, one guy gets five, and one guy gets two, like, no, nah, one guy's going to win it all. And that's when I was like, you know what? This is what it feels like to be black in America. So when they said that it was winner take all, everybody knew who was going to win it because there was only one company. It's a national company. There's only one company big enough, strong enough to have the money, not only the resources and the staff, but to have the money to build 17 fields, that's crazy. Like, who, who has, like, there's no small business that has that type of capital. I mean, that's, so the first thing is you had to have $10 million of bonding. As a point of reference, that's a lot, right? That, that's, that's a hard number to wrap your head around. So they put these dog whistles in to say, you really don't have a chance, bro. Like, we're going to give it to this guy. And so we're going to set all of these expectations so high that we're going to weed out the other two that could have done the job well so we can give it to this guy. That's what it's like to be black in business in America. Wow, that's pretty depressing, man. But, but how did you get past that, you know, that whole scenario, that whole, you know, that whole phase, you know, how, how did you get past that? That experience, like, disappointed me. I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I'm not, that experience disappointed me. And the way you get back is, Going back to what I said earlier about coffee concierge and delivering Christmas trees, you got to find your bag. And so, you know, so maybe while I'm still in government contracting, I don't do business with that, with that, with, with that, with that school district anymore. Like, like, like that, if you tell me that those are your values, then even if I were the majority, a majority, if I was a white man, our, our values don't align. So don't come to me asking me to vote for you. Don't come to me asking for no donations. Don't come to me asking me to come to your games. Like we, we, we don't, we don't see life aligned, right? But the other side, going back to earlier what you were saying, 
you know, his entrepreneurship, maybe not being for everybody, that would have made somebody quit. But I'm not built like that. I don't quit, right? So like you're never gonna you're never gonna get to the next place if the bad news makes you quit. And so you just gotta keep going, you gotta pick yourself back up, learn from it, learn how to build relationships. So yeah, this one contractor won all 17 fields. Well, maybe I can help you do, you know, 20% of one of those fields. So I can so I can build a relationship with you. So going back to our conversation with, you know, me and you, right? So we rock with each other. So we don't know each other, but you know, if you give me an opportunity, maybe I can show you that I can do a part of this job better than you can. So the next time you get a, a, a product that has 50 fields, we've built a relationship to where you say, okay, well, you know, I've got 50. Okay, here, take these two. I'll do the other 48, right? And so it's, it's always relationship building. So what, I don't want to sound bitter as I tell that story. I want to be truthful about like the harsh truth, right? But at the end of the day, it's all about being a craftsman, craftsman and being amazing at your job and building dope relationships. Yeah, bro, man. I rock with that as well. You know, building relationships is key, you know, to this, to this industry, you know, this, this, whatever we're doing right now, you know, I think for me, relationship is key, you know, and it's also the new economy as well. Cause you, you need to be able to rock with people, you know, play with guys as well, you know, for, for you to be able to do things together, you know, but, you know, in, in saying all this, you know, your journey, your story, you know, success stories, you know, your failures as well, your lessons learned, you know, well, and someone comes to meet you and said, I said, Coach Cam, you know, Cameron, you know, I, I, I want to be an entrepreneur, you know, what would you tell me? You know, what would your advice be to that person? The first thing I would say is, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. Right. And so if this is a journey you want to take, then the first thing I would say is learn as much as you can before it's time for you to jump out there. Find a mentor. Now, here's the challenge with the mentor. And I'll say this, and this is me just being real. There's a false illusion that I can't start until I have a mentor. Right. Or like I want to bake pies, but I can't start till I have a mentor to teach me. That's a crutch. Get in the kitchen and burn some burn some pies, burn some shells overcook some apples, right? Because what happens is those mentors begin to come into your life, right? But the other side of it, being in the game for a little while, is people begin to come to you asking you to be a mentor. And again, I enjoy giving, but there's only one me, right? So I can't mentor every person that pulls up on me. Now, can I give you a few minutes? Can we jump on a Zoom call? Like, I will give of myself as much as I can. Like, that's my obligation. But at some point, I can't spend all day. I can't run my business if I'm spending all day mentoring you or, or you know, being a coach. I'm, I'm, I'm right. So what, turn, what it turns into is for me is, okay, I can't spend all day giving my energy away. It's not even about cost or money. I just can't, I can't run my business if I'm volunteering all day. So let me create, again, going back to what you were saying, let me create something. So here, you want to learn about leadership, right? So you're a nine to fiver and you're a junior associate, but you know you don't have leadership skills, instead of spending an hour a month with me, here, here's my book. Go go, go read about this, right? Yeah. It's not even that I'm trying to sell you a book or hustle, right? But it's like there's so many ways to learn outside of sitting under a person. Like I've learned more about Benjamin, like so on the cool, Benjamin Franklin was the dopest human being ever, bro. Like people think about Benjamin Franklin and, you know, signing the Declaration of Independence and 
it's like there's so much that you can learn about people's backstories and histories by reading and learning, even if reading isn't your thing. Audiobooks or watching, you know, YouTube videos or watching Netflix. If you learn about people, there's so many things you can learn about. So I'll tell you real quick about Benjamin Franklin. So Benjamin Franklin not only signed the Declaration of Independence, he's the only person not to be a president that's printed on money. Like Benjamin Franklin is on the hundred dollar bill, bro. He was he was never a president. Like that's crazy. You think about it, right? So not only was he uh, one of our framers, he was also an inventor, right? So you know the whole like lightning rod thing. Well, he also was a, a printer. Like he wrote the poor the poor's almanac. That's how he made his money. Was he was a publisher? He 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 wrote books. Well, he was also into fashion and spent like a good time of his. Uh, is like midlife in France, like just kind of living like the rock star life. Well, not only that, and this is again, this is the time of slavery, right? Bro, in his last years, he was an abolitionist. He wouldn't even give his kids his inheritance until they sold their slaves. And so you, so you think and you think about like as a creative, it's like, well, yeah, I can learn about Jay-Z. I can learn about, you know, whoever it is because they're here right now. You can learn about the people who were here 100, 200, 300 years ago just by sticking your nose in a book, but sticking your nose in a book and thinking, like, how can I apply what this guy did? Like, so he, so Benjamin Franklin was really the first American Renaissance man, right? So he invented an instrument that's called, like, the, I forgot the name, like the Zuzaphone or something like that, that Mozart played. Like, this guy was an inventor, a philanthropist, an abolitionist a framer of the of the American independence, and he's on the $100 bill. And he was never president. You know what I'm saying? So it's like there's so much you can learn from those before you, that came before you. Yeah, bro, absolutely. You know, and I love what you, I love, I, love, I love what you do. You know, I love the fire. You know, I love, I love, I love everything about, you know, the, the hustle and all, and, all, and, all, and all that as well, you know. But in saying all this, you know, camera, you know, and being good at what you do, you know, what's, what sets you different? What sets you apart? You know, like, if someone wants a, a speaker for a gig, you know, and, and it is you, you know, what is that one thing that, that will make them say, you know what, this, that's the guy I want to go to, you know, you know, what, what makes you different? What sets you apart? Well, the, the first thing I'll say that sets me apart is, you know, we talked about earlier, like being a hundred percent authentic about what I know, and what I don't know. The other thing is, you know, there really isn't a limit today. Like you can learn as much as you want to learn, bro. Like, like the idea that, you know, all I do is bake apple pies. Well, that's because you never chose to learn anything else. And so as you begin to learn and you add more skills, you realize that in life, there are no periods, there's only commas. And so I can be, you know, selling coffee, comma, selling Christmas trees, comma, a sports construction, comma, write books, comma, you know, have an e-course, right? So it's like, as you begin to learn, you begin to see that like you can be a multifaceted person. But the way that I got there was I began to what I call like win the first quarter of my day. And so, you know, as a competitor, as an athlete, I like to get up early, bro, to start my day. And, you know, I found that number one, early in the morning is quiet. You can have your time with God. There's no email distracting you, phone, Instagram, Twitter. There's no thirst traps. And I mean, just, just all the distractions are gone. And you can be proactive about what do I want to win? What do I want to conquer today? How am I going to get better? And so I began to create this routine of this, like this morning routine, waking up at four o'clock in the morning, having my time with God, reflecting, 
having my time in the Bible, being thankful that I'm even awake today, and then go to the gym, get a nice little workout in, and then stick, you know, stick my head in the book and learn. I journal every day. I write every day. But then I begin to manifest, like, what do I want out of my life? Like, what am I supposed to contribute to my community? What am I supposed to contribute to the world? And what do I want my world life experience to be? And I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I want it all. I'm adventurous, right? And so as I began to, to do this, it began to put me, like, in a certain zone where it's like, yeah, I could, you know, scroll social media for 20 minutes and lose 20 minutes of my day, or I can, like, edit this piece of work. Right. Or I can I can get back to people that I'm mentoring and like block off 45 minutes or I can go back and forth like watching cat videos on YouTube. Right. So it became like if I can master the first four hours of my day, then I can get the productivity of two or three people because people waste so much time. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Man. I, I just I totally understand, you know, as well, you know, but people are just people you know are probably just stuck with their with their beliefs and you know and the way they were brought up as well you know but you just mentioned something about you know loving what you do and all that you know but we we also think something that we don't think about is you know when this is all over you know what what do you want to be remembered for you know now i'm speaking about legacy you know you, you've done so much for yourself you know you've done the hustle you've done a lot of stuff but at the end of the day you know Cameron, you know what what is that one thing that you say when you look back and say you know you know, thank God for this. You know, I did this, I did that. You know, what is that one thing that you want to be remembered for? When I think about my legacy, it really comes down to three words. I, I will, I'll admit, like I think about my legacy and not from an ego perspective, but that's what drives you, right? And so I think about my legacy a lot. And, you know, what I want to be remembered for is, is, is three things, bro. I want to inspire, I want to advance, and I want to evolve. If I do those three things or inspire people to do those three things, then I've done my job. If I can inspire you to take an action and then from that that action, you advance and you get better, you should evolve. Like you shouldn't be the same person from two years ago that you are two years later, right? And so that's what my legacy is, is three words, bro. Inspire, advance, evolve. I want to move, you know, society forward as far as I can. Love that, bro, man. I love that. It's been a very, very, you know, awesome conversation. You know, I, I wish, I wish we could do this for another two hours or whatever. But I promise you, I promise you, camera, man. We, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna be on this again someday, man. Trust me, man. We're gonna do oh, yeah. someday, yeah. But you know, now someone is listening to you and they want to get in touch with you, you know, and they, they want, they, they love your vibe. They want to rock with you, you know. Where's the best place for them to hook you up? Yeah, so I'm on all social media platforms. Um, Coach Cam cares. Coach Cam cares on uh, Instagram, on Twitter, uh, YouTube, and I mean Facebook. I don't know if people still use Facebook, but uh, <laughs> Facebook. And then um, uh, my course, Win the First Quarter of Your Day, um, Crown and Glory Magazine. That's a complimentary magazine, by the way. So it's, it's free. It's just my passion project. I just love to share. So uh, Crown and Glory Magazine, Win the First Quarter of Your Day, and my book, Alpha Redefined. Those are all on the website, coachcamcourses.com. Cool, bro. Cool, bro. Nice one, man. I, I love, I love, I love what you're doing, man. I love the job. I love everything, you know, and, and, and we are, we're definitely going to, you know, be, be friends, you know, build this relationship and try and collaborate and do things, you know, in the future, you know, and I, and I, and I wish you all the best, you know, you're doing a fantastic job, Cameron. I, I must say, I must say that, man, you know, because I, I, I can feel the vibe, man. The vibe is positive, you know, and, and I, 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 I don't, I don't know you well, but I know that you're a genuine person, you know, and, that, and that's very great as well, you know, and for those of you, I want to follow us, you know, 
just ask the pros on Instagram, you know, email is askpros at gmail.com, you know, and, and Cameron, you know, thank you for the time, grateful for, you know, hooking up, you know, and now I'm, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to see that, you know, this guy, you know, is a, is a, is a guy I'm going to, you know, do things with for a long time, you know, bro. So, so number one, thank you for having me on your platform, bro. This is, this is, uh, you know, the, the 50, the 56 podcast of the, the winner first quarter every day international podcast tour. This is by far like my favorite one. So, um, I hope, I hope, you know, your listeners enjoy it, but more than that, I'm glad that we were able to build this, you know, this relationship international. And so you, you begin yep. to think about like the legacy and impact we can create from across continents, bro. So I'm excited about what we're going to work on. Yeah. Cool. Cool, bro. Nice one, man.